Thank you. What an honor it is. Oh, there I go. I can hear myself. What an honor it is to be here this morning. And uh, I love this church so dearly. I've known a lot of people in this church for quite a bit of time, about seven years. And so I'm excited about what the Lord has put on my heart for you this morning. But before we go any further, man, I just want to say I am thankful for the way your pastor follows Jesus. Uh, I've seen a man and a woman serve Jesus with all of their heart in the best of times and in the worst of times. Come on, can you clap with me for your pastors, Dave, and, and we love you so much. We love you so much. And that's why this morning I want to preach a message entitled Election 2024. I'm just joking. Come on, people. Let's have a good time. You're like, come on, not more of this, God. We've already put up with too much. My wife was like, don't, don't do that, Joe. Come on. But I'm excited. I'm, I'm glad to be here. A couple things about me before I dive into the message today. Number one, if you didn't already catch it, uh, I am a very loud preacher. For those of you who are like, I like to come into the church and meditate on the precepts of the Lord as I sit and embody all that God has for soul. I am not one of those preachers, okay? I am not a communicator. I am not a teacher. I'm a preacher. This is the way the Lord has wired me. I grew up in an African Pentecostal home. Like my mom is from Africa. I would come home from school and she would just be uh, praying over our vacuum in the name of Jesus. I, I come against every. I'm like, mom, what are you doing? What is going on right now, mom? Why are you praying over vacuums and stuff? And she's like, because when I bought this vacuum online, I did not know it was called a dead devil. But there will be no devils allowed in this house. <laughs> like, that's kind of intense, but I'll roll with it. At the same time, that's really important for you to know. I'm a loud preacher, so when I get to the shouting and the screaming, just know it's because I'm passionate about what Jesus is doing in my life. Number two, this is really important for you to know. I didn't hold a girl's hand until I was 15 years old, okay? This is really important for you to know uh, because one time I was in church and uh, I asked my dad, I said, I said, Dad, where do babies come from in the middle of the worship service? Come on, kids have the best timing. And uh, my dad looked at me and he said, it comes from holding people's hands. Don't hold anyone's hand. I said, I've had a couple close calls, Dad. Had a couple close calls. He said, Son, don't do it. And one time I was sitting in church, it was, I was sitting between my mom and my pastor's mom. And my pastor said, would you grab the hand of your neighbor, begin to pray for them. I grabbed my mom's hand and I looked at my pastor's mom and I said, I'm not ready to be his father. I can't, I can't do it. But I do want to tell you that girl's hand that I held is now my wife and the mother of my three beautiful babies. If you could put that picture up. Uh, she wishes she could be here with me. That is Joanna. That is my beautiful wife. She likes her coffee with no cream. Hello. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, that's her. And uh, she likes dark chocolate. Hello. Okay. Uh, and then those two beautiful babies with their faces covered are our two foster babies. I can't tell you their names, but they are gorgeous. I never thought I'd have a daughter with blonde hair and blue eyes, but God does miracles. Thank you. And uh, that baby in the middle is my Beyonce baby. Uh, that is... Charlie Grace Reeves, and uh, she is one of the joys of our life, one of, uh, because me and my wife have a lot of things to be thankful for. But this is my beautiful family, and uh, man, we are fostering those two babies. We haven't adopted them yet, uh, but we're hoping that it will lean in that direction. So that's important for you to know. Uh, that, that is the only girl I've ever loved. It was her. I walked up to her. I got a little boldness in my, in my voice, and I said, I have three chest hairs, and I choose you. You know, and so uh, it was good, and we were in a relationship, and she's 
He's the only girl I've ever dated. And lastly, uh, growing up, there was only one channel uh, on in my house. And I need you to understand this today so you know where my fire comes from. Uh, and it was at ESPN, though we loved that in my home. It wasn't Lifetime Network. Some of you are like, I just love the stories. Okay, it wasn't Lifetime Network. It wasn't the Food Channel. Uh, it was uh, TBN, people. Okay, TBN is, that was it. My mom was like, if you touch that remote, I will ship you back to Africa. I'm like, mom, okay. So this would just play over and over and over again. And so I need you to respond today uh, because if you don't, I start getting a little weird, taking up 36 offerings. Gets weird in this place today. Okay, so I need you to respond. Uh, you can say amen. You can say that was good. You can say I needed that. You can say you needed that. Come on. Uh, you can do whatever you need to uh, to help me preach today as we dive into what the Lord has for us. I want to preach from the thought today just stand firm. Just stand firm. I was at the gym a few weeks ago. Some of you are like, a few weeks ago? Yes, a few weeks ago. I was at the gym a few weeks ago, and I saw this guy, and he was very strong. Like, he was swore His muscles had muscles on top of them. And I wanted to walk up to him and be like, my friend, you won already. You won. Stop working out. You've done enough. Go home to your family. Okay? Uh, but I was too scared. He was very strong. Uh, so I, I just watched him. I was, people watching at the gym. You're like, you people watch at the gym? This is a common practice. You're the weird one. If you don't, people watch at the gym. Okay? So I'm people watching at the gym, and I noticed that this guy's flexing in the mirror. He's showing off his muscles, making sure he's symmetrical. And all of a sudden, I see other people beginning to watch the same as me, people taking pictures, laughing and joking. And as I see this guy, uh, man, I, I, I heard the, or I felt the impression of the Holy Spirit say, look at don't look at him staring at himself because I don't want you to stare at yourself, but pay attention to his posture. And he was just standing there firm. I mean, absolutely built out of his mind. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, just stand firm. And I, I wrote down that note. And, and as I began to think on that thought, I thought to myself, what a message, what a statement for the church of God in this time and in this season, just stand firm. I came today to encourage the weary soul to encourage the broken soul, to encourage uh, the exhausted soul. I have a word for you. It's just stand firm, just stand firm. Friends, we live in a culture right now where faith is being attacked from every angle. Temptations are at an all-time high. The news is always bad. Division and divorce are a commonality. Oh, and no one agrees with anyone about anything, okay? And all of that considered, Jesus, who is the perfect spotless lamb of God, is now being just perceived to be a good man. And I want to speak to you today in the middle of this physical, moral, and yes, even biblical pandemic, the message, just stand firm. I don't know about you, but I've been a little discouraged at the state of our nation. And I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know what to do in the times leading up even to this moment. And I came across our text today, which is a perfect picture of a man that stands firm in the face of adversity, in the face of tragedy, in the face of doubt. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 14 through 17. You can turn there with me today if you have a physical Bible. 2 Chronicles 20, 14 through 17. When you got it, say amen. If you don't have it, say hold on. It's on the screen. Come on, people. It's on the screen. All right, here we go. <laughs> then Jehazel was moved. We're actually just going to walk through this passage together today. Then Jehazel was moved by the Spirit of God to speak from the midst of the congregation. Jehazel was what? He was moved by the Spirit of God to speak. So here's point number one. Don't speak without the Spirit of God. 
<laughs> Don't speak without the Spirit of God. Well, why? Because too many Christians are speaking without the Spirit of God, and then they end up talking themselves out of their own faith. Too many Christians are doing that exact thing. That's why I'm so thankful for this church. Man, this church believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. This church believes that the Holy Spirit still touches lives and uses people to transform the world. This is a church that believes God's still revealing himself to humanity, sometimes even through humanity. This is why we must stand firm. Oh, but what happens when people begin to speak without the Spirit of God? Here's what happens is they begin to create doctrines around their disappointment. They begin to create doctrines around their disappointment. Well, what do you mean? How can you know this? I know it because I did it. Me and my wife, before we had Charlie Grace, we went through a four-year infertility battle. Every year we would pray for child. The child will never come. It felt like our prayers were falling on deaf ears. And in the middle of that time, we're pastors, so we would be praying for people who have the same issue that we have. We would pray and ask God to bless them. We would pray and ask God to give them a child. We would pray for people who had been waiting for longer than us, and they would get healed. They would come back to us and say, Pastor, you'll never believe it. Your prayer worked. We're pregnant. And we'd have to go, oh, we're so excited for you. Oh, we're so and in the middle of watching other people get their breakthrough, we would go back to our private conversations, me and my wife, and we'd say, man, I, maybe God doesn't do that anymore. I'm not sure if this is going to work. What were we were doing, we were developing a doctrine, a state around our disappointment. You've heard it before. Uh, people say, well, I prayed and prayed for my loved one to get healed, and they still passed away. Maybe God doesn't heal anymore. Or I prayed and prayed and prayed to be filled with the Spirit of God, with, with, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and it never came for me. So maybe that passed on with the apostles. And I'm telling you today, don't develop a doctrine around your disappointment. And I, I want to be honest with you, as transparent as I can be, I actually learned more from God not answering my prayers than I did from him answering them. Because I had to learn in those moments, I had to learn that my faith in Jesus is not based on what God is doing for me right now or what he could do for me. It's based on what he's already done. It's based on who he already is. He's already provided so much for me. And I guess the reason I grew so much is because my faith moved away from circumstantial faith. You know what that is. When your world is great, then you'll serve God. You're like, when everything in my world is right, then I'll be righteous. When everything in my world seems to add up, then I'll serve God openly. But I'm here to tell you today that God is good even if your world isn't. Come on, this is the mindset of people who are standing firm. We're saying, God, it does not matter what is going around in me. You are on the inside of me, and that's enough for me to stand firm. Friends, the whole scripture is about how Jesus is, is coming to, to get closer, and the, the Holy Spirit man, coming to get closer to the people of God, to empower them who they're called to be, right? And if we look at Genesis, we see God walking around the garden with mankind, and he says, that's not close enough. So then we fast forward to the Gospels, and we see uh, Jesus. Now he's not just walking amongst the people, he's living amongst them. He walked with Adam in the garden, Jesus lived among the people, but he said, that's still not a close enough. So then he sends the Holy Spirit, not just to to walk amongst you, not just to live amongst you, but to live on the inside of you because he says, this is how I'm getting close to you. Don't speak without the spirit of God. Come on, if you're going to stand firm, you got to have the spirit of God on the inside of you. Let's continue to read. It says, Jezel was the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, the Levite of the Asphah clan, a Levite of the Asphah clan. Uh, that word Asphah means collector. 
So in other words, Jezel, this man that we're reading about in scripture, our main character, came from a lineage of people who were collectors. They saw themselves as servants and not leaders. Yet in the middle of this tragedy emerges a man full of the spirit of God to speak to the people of God. You know what that tells me about Jesus? You know what that tells me about God? That God is not as concerned with your history as you are. Come on, how many people are talking themselves out of the God vision, the God potential, the God dream, the God destiny, the God perspective that he's trying to pour into their life because we're so concerned about our history. I'm telling you today, don't allow your history to hold you back. Don't allow what you've struggled with, what you've wrestled with, where you've doubted to hold you back from what God is calling you to do. You know, I, I, I watch a lot of documentaries. I go down the Netflix Hulu wormhole. Come on, you've been there. Say amen. But we're getting delivered. Okay, so I, I'm down. I'm watching this documentary about these elephants in the circus. And it says about these elephants in the circus that when they're younger, they put a stake in the ground and they tie a rope to them or a chain. And, and, and then that chain is the only chain they have to use for the rest of the elephant's life in the circus. Because they condition them when they're young, when they can't pull that stake out of the ground. And then when they're fully grown, when they're fully able to pull it out of the ground, they still stick the same stake in the ground and the same chain. And you're like, how does the elephant not just pull it out of the ground? Because it's been conditioned to think that same stake that affected it in its past will hold it back now. And I'm telling you, that's the same thing for the people of God in church. Come on, don't allow the same chains, the same stakes, the same things you've been through hold you back from what God's calling you to. Just stand firm. Oh, you're trying to figure out how to deal with tragedy. Just stand firm. You're trying to figure out how to deal with disappointment. Just stand firm. You're trying to wrestle with what you agree with and what you disagree with. Just stand firm. Oh, just stand firm today. And then it says, it says about JSL, he said, attention, everyone, all of you from out of town and all of you from Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, God's word to you. Here's God's word to you. Don't be afraid. Don't pay any attention to this vandal whore. Don't pay any attention to this vandal whore. I love what he says to them. He said, this is God's word for you. And if you're going to stand firm, I want to hit you with this truth today. Your word is good, but God's word is better. Come on, your word to get you through tough seasons is good, but God's word is better. My mom would say it like this. Where there is an absence of scripture, there is an abundance of stupidity. That's what she would say. Hear me today. The Bible is not just a good book of stories and suggestions that are going to help you. It's the truth about one man who has the power to save all, Jesus. That's what this is about. Just stand firm. You're like, what do you mean? Just stand firm. I'm talking about read the word of God and begin to dwell on it. Abide in it. Because then it actually empowers the Holy Spirit to do one of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit. Because yeah, everyone knows what Jesus said when he left the earth. He said, I have to go so that the Holy Spirit might come to you and he will empower you to do what? Be a witness. We have a firm grasp on that. But the part that people miss is that he says, and then he'll teach you to remember all that I have taught you. Friends, for the Holy Spirit to empower us to remember, we have to first learn what God is saying. For some of us, we have a lack of courage or a lack of boldness or a lack of patience or a lack of peace when we go through difficult times because the Spirit of God can't stir up in us what we are to remember because we refuse to learn it. Refuse to learn it. But here's what I've learned too, is that most people are shy away in 2021 from Scripture 
for they say the scripture is offensive. And I'm here to tell you, I'm sure it is, because the Bible says about itself that it's a sword, and any time I've ever been cut, I've been offended. The scripture is offensive. Now, now this isn't license to be a jerk at all, but I just want to say this. Our number one goal as the people of God should not be to not offend people. It should be to be faithful to Jesus. And anytime we decide to be more committed to culture than we are the Christ, we miss our responsibility as the church. Friends, being, a, being faithful to Jesus is going to offend a couple of people. It's going to offend some people. You go, well, how do you know? Well, it cost the disciples their lives. People didn't kill them because they were happy with what they were preaching. They killed them because they were, offend they were offended by what they were saying about Jesus. I mean, imagine they were talking. They were coming preaching there's a new king. They were coming preaching there's a new baptism and a new savior. They were coming preaching a new kingdom. That was offensive to everyone around them. Standing on Jesus is going to be offensive to some people. And then I love what some modern theologians will say. They'll say, well, I don't, I don't really understand the Bible, nor do I agree with it, but I trust Jesus. And I'm here to tell you Jesus was offensive too. <laughs> you know why Jesus was offensive? Not intentionally being just offensive. Jesus was offensive because his commitment was to a higher degree to his father than it was to his followers. My mentor said it like this. He said, my commitment to my wife offends the people around me who want to spend more time with me. Because if I have to choose between you and her, I'm picking her every time. Jesus wasn't intentionally offensive. He was offensive because his commitment to the Father was at a higher degree than his commitment to the culture. You're like, well, I don't believe you. Good. Well, let me show you something. <laughs> Luke chapter 9, 15, 59 through 62, it says, Jesus told some, some else to come with him. But the man said, Lord, let me wait until I bury my father. Jesus answered, let the dead take care of the dead while you go tell about God's kingdom. Sounds kind of harsh. Then someone said, Jesus, I want to follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and take care of some things at home. Jesus answered, anyone who starts plowing and looks back isn't worth a thing to God's kingdom. Was he being offensive? No. Just to be offensive? No. He was perceived as offensive because his commitment to the Father was at a higher degree. Just stand firm. Oh, come on, your commitment to Jesus is going to rub some people the wrong way? Is it, will my commitment to Jesus make others feel uncomfortable? Absolutely, but just stand firm. The scripture is filled with people whose commitment to God made others feel uncomfortable. You're not alone. These people constantly, they chose the Christ over the culture. They chose God over good standing. Just stand firm. Just stand firm. Just stand firm. Don't be easily persuaded. Just stand firm. Don't believe everything you hear. Just stand firm. Just stand firm. I love what JSL says in that same wording to the people. To the army. He says, pay no attention to this vandal horde. Pay no attention. Or in other words, pay no attention to the problem in front of you. Pay no attention to the obstacles. Pay no attention to the negativity. Okay, first, this is my word for you. Pay no attention to the obstacle. Pay no attention to the problems. Pay no attention to the negativity. Why? Because focusing on the problem never leads to peace. It never does. Look at the scriptures over and over and over again. We see people highlight the problem and they miss God in the middle of the problem. It takes no faith to focus on the problem. All of the faith to focus on Jesus 
in the middle of it. One of my favorite speakers says it like this. He says, whatever you feed grows. Whatever you feed grows. Whatever you starve dies. He said, we see Satan in Genesis and he's a snake. And then we go all the way to Revelation. It's the end of the Bible and he's a dragon. Somebody's been feeding him. Whatever you feed grows. It grows. And whatever you starve, it begins to die. Uh, every morning I listen to NPR. <laughs> my wife's like, why are you doing this? Who are you and where is my husband? Okay. She's like, you are becoming your father. I'm like, don't say that. That's the rudest thing anyone's ever said to me. But I watch it and I, I listen to it every single morning and I'm starting to notice how they hook me every morning. Dun, dun. COVID-19 on the rise. Dun, dun. This person shot this person. Dun, dun. What's going on in Russia today? They capture us with the problem because there's this thing in in us that wants to find a solution and it takes our attention off of where God has called us to focus. This is the world we live in today. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. And I hate to get preachy on you for a second, but shifting your perspective from problems to God's presence will bring provision. What do I mean by that? I mean whatever you dwell on begins to develop you. Oh, friends, we're being shaped by something. Some of you are like, well, nothing's shaping me. I'm shaping myself. No, 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 no. Something's shaping you. It's either scripture. It's either worship. It's either the church of God or it's the culture. It's the news. It's the music. It's the collective groups. Something is shaping you. And whatever you begin to dwell on will develop you. It will develop you. Numbers 13.33, we read this story about uh, the Israelites trying to take the promised land. There's 10 spies. Two of them come back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb, going, we think we could take the land. The other eight come back and they say something that captures me that I'm sure Pastor Davis preached on. He said, it says, we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. They went to scout this land to potentially take it for their people. And when they got there, they saw how big the people are, how massive the problem was, how huge the obstacle was. And then they got a negative perception of themselves because they were staring at what the other people looked like. And they said, we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes and also to them. Friends, whatever you dwell on will develop you. Whatever you begin to look at, whatever you begin to focus on will begin to shape you. This is what I mean when I say in the very beginning, don't speak without the Spirit of God because too many people are looking at the issues they see on social media and those issues begin to shape them and their faith begins to die. Their faith is being attacked and they don't even know it. Whatever you dwell on will begin ah, to develop you. It says this, this is God's war, not yours. This is God's war, not yours. Come on, I want to get that into somebody's spirit today. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever is in front of you, this is God's war, not yours. Tomorrow you'll go after them. See, they're already on the way up from the slopes of Z's. You'll meet them at the end of ravine, says Jezel, near the wilderness of Jeruel. And then he says this to them, you won't have to lift a hand in this battle. Just stand firm. You won't have to lift a hand in this battle. Just stand firm. Firm. I have a message for the church, and it's this. It's my, it's my fourth point. The time for fighting is over. The time for fighting is over. We no longer need you to become a keyboard warrior and post all your thoughts on Facebook. We no longer need you to make Instagram stories and TikToks about what you're standing for. Friends, the time for fighting 
is over. When I was a young man, I was a scrappy young man. I'm short too, Dave. Thank you for pointing that out. I thought I was a giant until you said that. Um, I was a scrappy young man. I grew up in Philadelphia. And uh, I remember one time I got in a fight at school uh, with two kids. For some reason, I thought I could take them. I was like, the spirit of the Lord compels me to kick you. You know, anyway. Um, and I came home and I told my parents about it. I was like, mom, they were making your mama jokes. And I would never let anybody talk about you. Mom, I got you back, you know. So, um, and she was like, son, let me talk to you for a second. And my mom said something to me in that moment that has transformed my life. She said that to me when I was 16 years old. I'm now 28, and she said this to me. It transformed my life. She said, son, not everything that happens demands a response from you. <sighs> Come on, if the church could get that in its spirit. Not every fight needs you to swing a sword. Not everything demands a response from you. Some of you are like, well, they lied about me. So? They disrespected me. So? They offended me. So, stand firm. Not everything demands a response from you. As I survey our culture, I hear the Lord saying this word, just stand firm. Friends, this isn't the time to fight. It's the time to be faithful. Come on, our fighting is distracting us from our faithfulness, and we are becoming less and less in tune with what the Spirit of God is doing. Come on, this isn't a time to go to war. This is a time for worship. You will not have to lift a hand in this battle. Just stand firm. I want to leave you with what Jezel said to his people. As I read the rest of this text, it says, Judah and Jerusalem, and watch God's saving work for you take shape. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what's, what you're wrestling with. I don't know what you're having to debate with. But I'm telling you, just watch God's saving work for you take shape. Just watch it. Watch the Lord begin to take shape. And it says, don't be afraid, don't waver. Don't be afraid and don't waver. Don't be afraid and don't waver. Oh, come on, let's talk to your neighbor. Say neighbor. Come on, talk to your neighbor. Say neighbor. I, th I think you look good today. Come on, I'm setting up some relationships right now. Say, don't be afraid. And don't waver. Come on, this is the word of the Lord for us. Don't be afraid and don't waver. And this is what he says to them. This is how he ends it. JSL, so beautiful. He said, march out boldly tomorrow. With you. God is with you. March out boldly. God is with you. You know, this would have been a transformative statement for the people on the receiving end of JSL's words. They would have heard that statement and gone, what? You mean the king of kings, the Lord of all, the God of glory, he's coming with us? You mean this God when people who are even deemed righteous walk into his presence, if they've not confessed all of their sin, they die because he's so holy? You mean the God who the Ark of the Covenant, when people accidentally touch it, they would drop to the ground and die? He's going where? With us, he's coming to be amongst us. And what was seemed like a dream to them is a reality to us. This is why we call Jesus Emmanuel or God with us. 
Friends, you can stand firm today because the King of Kings bankrupt all of heaven so that his son could be present with you in the midst of whatever you're going through. Just stand firm today. You got a bad report, just stand firm. He is with you. He's not off in the distance, friends. He's not unapproachable. Oh, too many people have talked themselves out of coming and falling at the altar, crying out to the only one who could save them because they say he's too unapproachable. But I told you already, the whole scripture is one story about how he's coming to redeem our lives, how he's already done it, and he's doing everything to get close to you. Friends, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord roam to and from the earth looking for someone to show themselves great through. Friends, let's stand firm. Why not us? Come on, this city needs people of God who will stand firm in the face of accusation, who will stand firm in the face of discomfort, who will stand firm in the area of disagreements or theology. Just stand firm today on the only one, on the only one who has the power to save anyone. Just stand firm. Just stand firm. He's not off in the distance. He's not unapproachable. He's full of love and forgiveness for you today. Just stand firm. Just stand firm. Just stand on the promises of God. Just say, God, I trust you. I said it already, but I want to reiterate today. You got a bad report. I know. Just stand firm. You're frustrated with how you were treated. I understand. Just stand firm. You disagree with that thought or idea. Just stand firm. You're confused, you're confused about a situation, just stand firm. Oh, you're feeling pain in your body, just stand firm. Oh, your marriage is shaky, just stand firm. Just stand firm today. Because I want to let you in on a secret, friends. Whatever you're up against today is not just up against you. It's up against God and he's yet to lose a battle. He's yet to lose a battle. You know, one of my biggest fears for the people of God is not, thank you, worship team. <laughs> one of my biggest fears for the people of God is not that we won't de defend God or, I'm sorry, not that we won't encounter God in private, but that we won't defend him in public. It's one of my biggest fears. And it wouldn't be the first time this happened to Jesus. It wouldn't be the first time. It says on the day that Jesus went to the cross in the scriptures, you can read it in any gospel. It says the people, the people one moment they were worshiping him, praising him in Hosanna. The next minute they were yelling, crucify him. The women that had traveled with him from Jerusalem to that place, Golgotha, they were nowhere to be found. His disciples were off in the distance. And when I read about those events, it, it confused me. Because I was like, where is John? You know John, the one he, he's called the disciple whom Jesus loved. He gave himself that name. But see, John knew something about his relationship with God. John knew that his relationship with God, what made it special, is not about how he felt about God, but about how God felt about him. That's why he called himself the one who Jesus loved. Where was John? It says that he laid his hand on the breast of Jesus. They were close. He was nowhere to be found. I wondered... Where is Peter? 
You know Peter, the one who cut off the ear of a soldier when they came to get Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, they came to get him. Peter pulled out a sword and cut off his ear. Jesus picked up that ear and said, not this way. Where is the one who will swing the sword to defend this king that's done nothing but be just, but be gentle, but be pure? Where are the followers? See what I'm saying? My biggest fear is not that we will not worship him in private, but that we won't defend him in public. Where are the bold believers that will just Stand firm. Just stand firm today. Come on, you were called to shift this city. You were called to transform any, any nook and cranny of this city. If you have any influence in a space, in a business, in a home, in a place, God gave you that influence so you could be a conduit of hope to that environment. Just stand firm. Just stand firm. And can I say this today? It's easy for the people of God to fight when we're not winning souls. Come on. Come on, when the focus isn't on winning those. See, see, see we, we don't even understand. We're not. The Bible tells us that the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual things, principalities in the unseen world. Because I was confused. My mom would walk around our house and she would pray in the spirit. She would pray in the spirit. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm so confused as to what you're doing. She understood the battle wasn't against me even when I did wrong. Oh, the battle was against spiritual things, principalities in an unseen world. Where are the followers of Jesus who would just stand firm? Who would just stand firm? Where are those who would not just worship him in private but defend him in public? If you want to do this Christian thing without offending people, it's impossible. Like I said, it cost the disciples their lives. But somehow, some way, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, we gotta figure out a way to stand firm. Come on, you, you know more than you think you know. You know how to hear God's voice. You're full of the Holy Spirit. He's called you. Okay, first, I believe the days ahead of you are bright and beautiful and glorious. And this city will turn its knees, turn on its knees to Christ and cry out the name that is above every other name because you decided to stand firm for a change. Just stand firm. Just stand with me today. Just stand with me.